Hello, this is Brittany Ross from Fiddle and Pipe. I'm sure most of y'all are aware of the ongoing war in Ukraine. You will see in the show notes that we have listed several organizations to help the Ukrainian people. To, if you would like to help out and contribute, please check out those show notes. And for the month of March, we will be donating 100% of our proceeds on Patreon to the International Committee of the Red Cross, which if you want to join us on Patreon, you can find us on patreon.com slash fiddleandpipe. We hope you'll either support us on Patreon as we donate to the International Committee of the Red Cross or check out the show notes and pick an organization that you would like to donate to. Thanks, and now back to the episode. Hi, I'm Brittany Ross, and I play the fiddle. I'm Catherine Blencham, and I play the pipe. And together, we are Fiddle and Pipe. Two classical musicians who are reading and discussing topics beyond the staff. So grab a book, take a seat, and tune in. This record. Okay. All right. So are you actually recording now? Because I feel like you've been saying that you're recording for the last minute. No, I am. I just wanted to double check because I was terrified <laughs> that this was not going to record. I'm using a new program and I am a little nervous, but I have faith in this program. They say bad things happen in threes and I feel like we've hit our first three very fast mm-hmm. and we're on our second three. We need to like stop with the threes <laughs> and all this. Can bad things just happen in ones? That would be great. Can we just do that maybe during the summertime when I'm not doing as much crap? Yeah, I'd love to have a little bit more time. What are you drinking? That looks really good. It looks like jam. It's okay. It's um the Tommy Knocker Tundra Berry Fruit Ale. Ooh. They are a brewery up in Idaho Springs, Colorado. So they are local. If you are a Colorado beer drinker, check out Tommy Knocker. I'm drinking a Yingling black and tan because I hate myself. I don't think I've had a Yingling since like 2013. Someone (laughs) left them at my house back in November. And I was like, I guess we should probably drink these. So, but I'm like drinking it like it's a light ale (laughs) because I'm not doing anything right now. I'm just recording. So we're not going out. We're being safe. We would usually do this for our Fiddle and Pipe Happy Hour podcast, and we will. That is the next thing that we're recording. So if you guys want to check out Fiddle and Pipe Happy Hour, go on our Patreon. We have a book club peep option that's $5 a month, and you get access to Fiddle and Pipe Happy Hour, and we have a good time. And we're actually going to talk about some really hot topics for this episode. Breaking topics. Like, things that involve... The world, and most likely us. Like, this is going to most likely affect us, and I, it's important to kind of talk about these things, and like many other things. Even though we are not a news or a political podcast, we should be aware of what's going on in the world, and we have the Mm -hmm. luxury of having the free space to air our thoughts, feelings, and opinions. So, if you Mm want to have world news happy hour chat with Brittany and Kat, Shit, that sounds good. Go check that out on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Fiddle and Pipe. <laughs> that yingling is like, can yeah, you some like, juice for rhymes? Transition queen <laughs> over here. Seriously. Speaking of doing nothing, we should probably talk about our book, Do Nothing. 
Yeah, yeah, we need to do nothing. <laughs> I know the world is a crazy place right now, but we gotta stay focused. Yes. <laughs> Try to, at least. <sighs> okay, so we read chapters four through seven, and... Wait, through seven? Yeah, four through... Four through six. Six, yes. I can't count. Okay, for a second I was like, I read three chapters, not four. <laughs> I definitely kept I thinking it was four through seven. No, it's four through the six. I wanted to think that too, and I was like, nope, we're only doing three. I was like, units of three, four through seven, and I'm like, that's four. And I was like, okay, four through seven. I'm like, that's still four. It's too odd for my brain. <laughs> Math is hard. So it's hard. chapter four was a heckin' beefer of a chapter. It was. Like, how many pages was it? I just remember I was reading, like, through the middle of it, and I was like, oh, crap, I still have 20 pages left. <laughs> and there was so much stuff in it. I mean, I think probably my only problem with this book so far is that it's so dense. She really doesn't waste any word space. And sometimes I feel like I'm just kind of mm-hmm. reading a textbook because she makes it a point to have everything statistically and researchly backed up which is not a bad thing it's legitimate to know like okay you looked up these facts but sometimes it just feels really dense in a way yes because there are moments where again like last episode when we were talking about the first three chapters i was saying i felt like i was in my sophomore world history class Mm -hmm. and that's exactly how i felt less so compared to last episode but this episode there were some moments where i was like i remember reading this in history class yeah I do like that she brings a lot of musical examples, though, because I'm sitting there and I'm like, yes. <laughs> now that we know she's descended from a famous musician. I know, right? I still think that's really cool. Like, oh, if I was related to a composer that was like, oh, I would have been like, oh, yeah, <laughs> sorry. I just think that's really neat. Yeah, I feel like she should have wrote that in her book. Oh, by the way, I'm the grandchild of William Grant Still. Nope. No big deal or anything, but, you know. <laughs> Not to toot my own horn. Anyway, do nothing. (laughs) So we start off with chapter four, Time Becomes Money. Yeah. I hate this. (laughs) Beefy chapters. Captain's feeling heckin' triggered right now. So beefy. So I actually put (laughs) my note for this was the first note for this chapter. The summary is on page 48. (laughs) And here's what I (laughs) highlighted. Here's what I highlighted. In the end, it all comes down to time, our relationship with it, our understanding of it, the value we put on it. So true. Mm-hmm. That's basically the summary. And that's chapter four, so now we'll move on to chapter five. Yeah, um, <laughs> but for real, I hate it when people are like, time is money, because I get it. We're on the clock. But what I thought was really interesting was how uh, Celeste brings up clocking in basically kind of started this like the whole function of clocking into work clocking out of work kind of basically made us the way that we are today like how overworked we are like that's yeah. how it led up to it I actually thought about this a lot when I had a job that forced me to clock in when I was in high school and for maybe the first year and a half of college I worked at Kroger as a bagger and a cashier. She makes a note saying that we value our time as we make more to the point that we become impatient with leisure activities. And I remember what helped me reel in my spending as a teenager and as a young adult was literally thinking, oh, 
this dollar amount is equal to X amount of hours that I worked. You know, oh, like a $5 rotisserie chicken was equal to, you know, almost an hour hour of work. Mm, gotcha. That makes a little bit more sense now. <laughs> Gosh, when I started working, the minimum wage was five fifteen. Really? Mm-hmm. So I got a job when I was Ooh. 15. So that might have been like, I want to say maybe like 2008, 2009? Yeah. Yeah, I was a sophomore okay. in high school. Wow, that was like almost 10 years ago. And guess what the minimum wage now is in Atlanta, Georgia? Seven twenty-five. Yeah, it hasn't changed since the good old year of 2011. Yeah. <gasps> I don't know when the wage was seven twenty-five in Georgia, but I know for a fact that in 2011 I was getting paid at Pizza Hut for seven twenty-five. So Everything gets more and more expensive, and they still earn the same. I also noticed myself doing this now valuing the time that I make money more than my leisure time because I actually got a mm-hmm. last minute wedding gig this past weekend with two days notice because the violinist got COVID. So the group was mm. scrambling to find a violinist and it was up in LJ and it was a wedding ceremony and playing for the reception. So I made 450. Oh, nice. That's good. Yeah. For only playing for maybe two hours, two and a half hours. So I was just like, yeah, okay, but Dave and I planned a date. I oh. talked to him and I was like, hey, would you care if I took this gig? He's like, no, you got to go. It's fine. But I felt bad that going and playing for someone's wedding sounds more appealing than going on a date with my husband. I've been there. Yeah. I'm going to be very honest. Like, I don't think any of us musicians are perfect. I'm sure that we have picked up gigs over other things. I definitely have committed more to rehearsals and performances and gigs over my leisure time and my time spending with other people that I want to hang out with. I've definitely have spent more time in school and committing to other things over hanging out with my significant other. Yeah, I've been there. I think this is what I started realizing a little bit more within the last few months mm-hmm. is I don't want to do that anymore. I will take on gigs if I know it won't be that much of a burden, but like if I have something committed, if I know that like it's too much for me, then I'm going to say no. Mm-hmm. And if I know that it's going to take up a lot of my time but not be worth the pay, then no. If it's way too last minute and over stressing me out already I'm gonna say no and I've done that multiple times within the last like few months and honestly I I'm okay with it I'm fine I'm fine with it I just realized that like am I gonna work myself to death to where I'm still making the same amount of money and not enjoying my life and not enjoying the time with the people that I love Mm -hmm. I just remember the year when I got out of school I was working a lot, way more than I should have taken on. And I knew that it became an actual problem because I noticed that I was getting into my relationship a little bit, which is not good. Mm -hmm. And I really care about my relationship. Once Woody finally addressed it to me, his saying like, you know, I never see you. We never hang out. We never spend time together. I finally decided to put my foot down and make that time. Mm-hmm. And now I don't want it to sound like, oh, like I just follow Woody all the time and like he tells me what to do. That's not 
in any instance what's happening. I'm choosing what is important to you. Yeah. My relationship is important because Woody is like my best friend. He is the person that knows me very well. He is my soulmate. I'm a little <laughs> offended, but okay. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I love well, you. I mean, like you and David. Wait, I'm sorry, David. <laughs> Do I rank higher? How can I say no to that face? Look at you. <laughs> oh, you're so nice. Okay, Woody, you gotta go down there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've been there before, so I'm sure other people have been there too. And I'm not perfect. Like, there's sometimes where I'll pick up a gig and I'll be like, hey, I don't really want to go out tonight. Well, like, I'll tell him. It that. makes me feel better that this isn't a super frequent thing. I'm not normally offered last minute gigs. I would feel guilty if it was a super regular thing that I was constantly turning down stuff that I planned with David to make money. Yeah, no. And, but the thing is, I felt bad that it was just a one time thing. I think that's pretty normal. It shows that you do care. Like, the extra money could be helpful, yes. But you do have, like, a caring side. Like, oh, I could have spent time with David. I could have done this. Like, I hope he's not, like, mad or anything or disappointed. Like, I always feel that way. (laughs) All the time. But I just have to remind myself I'm human. She talks about how having less time and being busy is the modern day status symbol and how it used to be the possession of material goods. And then she has this whole section on stress-related illnesses and disease and the strain that stress puts on people from a healthcare perspective. And she had a wild statistic that said the American Institute of Stress says that more than 50% of all doctor's visits are caused by stress. I'm not shocked. No, and the obvious things are damage to your heart and brain And then I think that's what she lists in the book. And then others that she didn't list are effects on mental health, like depression and anxiety, alcoholism, and other dependency issues. And also it can lead to fertility issues. It's obviously a problem. It's just astounding because there are books about this. There's people talk about this, but nothing is ever really being done. Mm -hmm. There's been no change. At least, I mean... I don't know about other countries, but at least in America, it's been the same. I feel like I have been working the same amount since I left high school, before college. When I was in high school, I felt like I was busy all the time. And now seeing that this is still a thing and this book was written in 2020, it's just like, when are we going to actually do something to make a change? When are we actually going to address this problem? Because it feels like a problem. I feel like after COVID, like, I mean, not after COVID, I guess like after being in lockdown, now that people are out and about, it's like we're back to normal again. And it feels like everyone's working more and feeling more overwhelmed and stressed than before the pandemic started. Right. And it's just like, this is not going to get any better. Like, it feels like it's not going to get any better. This month has been draining for me. And I'm like... I literally cut out an entire job and I feel way overworked still, which is insane. I think it's a problem. Yeah. And we are in a totally different boat because even if companies and corporations get better, we are still self-employed. So we are our own bosses. Like it's our own job to basically tell us ourselves to take a break. Mm Mm-hmm. 
I mean, a lot of it was like, I think more focused on jobs that are like nine to five, mainly. Right. I liked how she talked about how sometimes because people go to self-employment, it's because they can't find a job mm-hmm. in their field where they're able to like work like a nine to five. So they like do freelancing instead. What I really thought was neat is that she said that the labor historian Nelson Lichtenstein explained to me most self-employment is involuntary, which I mean, in some ways that might be true. But for me, it was voluntary to do this job being a freelancer and doing this on my own yeah so yeah i'm sure it was for you Mm -hmm. i'm sure it's like that for many musicians artists out there anybody that has chosen working in an office is not for me this is my career and like that was a decision i disagreed with the involuntary comment on that Mm. i think i mean i can understand it think of the gig economy it doesn't just consists of people you know willingly following starting a business and stuff it can be people that couldn't find work and then decided to do DoorDash. Well, yeah, no, that's what I meant. Like, they couldn't find, like, a job in their field. And so, like, that, in a way, yes, is involuntary. Mm -hmm. I think, like, for us, it's a little bit different. And I think for some other people that might feel in that place, it is different. And, I mean, it just sucks because, like, as freelancers, I think our lives are a little bit different in a way where it's, like, we work – not a five-day week. You've mentioned, I want to say it was during Atomic Habits, that sometimes you can't have, like, a weekend off or you, yeah. you don't have, like, that time off because you are, like, doing many things. And it's very true. Mm-hmm. I have Saturday, like, mostly off, but I also teach, like, a few lessons that day. And I can sleep in, but I want to make sure that, like, I can get some things done during that day and I use up all my free time unfortunately to work around those lessons maybe the two lessons that I teach on Saturday yeah that's the thing like being a freelancer it's like you always feel like you're at work and that's why having a day off feels like what weird yeah (laughs) like this is weird you have to force yourself to relax one thing that I've started Mm -hmm. doing is unless we have a fiddle and pipe commitment like now like recording, or if I am t- have scheduled teaching, in the evenings I don't work. I make myself not work so I can enjoy hanging out with David because David works mm-hmm. an 8 to 5.30 job. So he comes home around 6.30, and that gives us time to eat together, actually see him, and then we can do something together, and I can read. And then I work during the day. It's not great because, like, yesterday, we were just kind of hanging out, and I was just sitting on the couch, and David was playing Pokemon on the Switch, and I was like, I could be editing. But I was like, or I could just sit and hang out, and it's really hard for me to just sit and do nothing. No, I agree, because I am like that 100%. I take out Tuesdays for myself to not teach or anything. I do have like a sectional that I teach every other week. It's not every other week right now because there are a lot of holidays that are on Mondays and so the schedule gets really messed up. But when I do have to teach at this one school, I work Monday and Tuesday mornings. It's like only for like an hour. It's not that bad. But I found myself the last few Tuesdays that I have off and I say that with quotes because I've spent the last few Tuesdays just working 
like trying to get social media stuff done, trying to get practicing done, trying to get like reading done or something like just doing work, doing work for my remote job. And it's just like, I just remember I was like working last Tuesday and I said, I haven't really sat down and like relaxed for myself. And this was the day that I was supposed to do it. And I'm reading something about this right now and I'm not following it. Right. (laughs) I'm not really taking in the information and I'm not putting it into practice Mm -hmm. because like I do think I'm overworking myself and overdoing it and I hate it. And the one time I have felt the most relaxed where I never did any work was when I did a vacation for a week, October 2019. That was it. I didn't do any work that week at all. And that was the last time I did that. Yeah. When Dave and I went to Savannah last summer, I didn't teach or anything. I think I might have sent out an email or two, but beyond that, I didn't work and it was really (gasps) nice. It was weird. But a really good point that I like she brought up was the term workaholic and how- How workaholic should basically be shamed instead of made as this glorified thing to be. Yeah, because I have done multiple times in the past where I've literally like worked myself to death and had mental breakdowns. I have done things like go back to Georgia and teach via Zoom during my vacation. I look back and I'm like, why the hell did I do that? Why the hell did I agree to do Zoom lessons while I'm off? I've done things where it's been the holidays and I've taught. I've taught during the holidays because I've had some students in the past be like, oh, I want to do like extra lessons during the break or whatnot. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I have taken into account like, okay, yeah, like I'll teach, I'll get some extra money. And then I sit there during the holidays and I'm like, this is awful. I can't even enjoy my holiday because I'm working. Like this is all I'm doing. I work. I really like how she brought that up. And also like how um, she brings up how all these billionaires (laughs) have gloated that they've sacrificed time, which I totally get. I totally get that it takes a lot of time. If you really want something to be successful, you got to work hard at it. But some of the examples that we were given, I was sitting there and I'm like, there's no effing way I would ever work that hard. Mm -hmm. Jeff Bezos and his colleagues at Amazon say that they logged 12-hour days, seven days a week in the mid-1990s. Is that why you need to take your giant yacht through Rotterdam's historic bridge and take it down? Are you that bitter that you did that 12-hour, seven-day-a-week schedule, Jeff? Who would want to do that? Um, Well, Jeff did it. Um, Now he's really fucking rich. Now he's super rich. I mean... Bill Gates said he got up at 4 a.m. every day, worked 16 hours, and sometimes spent the night in the office, which, no thank you. Steve Jobs wouldn't get to his office at Apple until 9 a.m. He told time, but that was after working for an hour or two at home. I am just like that. I have done instances where I will be like, oh, I have a really long day. I'm going to start work at 5 a.m. in the morning, and I've done that. And I think what I've been realizing these last few months, I've been saying this for the entire year when everyone's like how are you doing blah 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 like how is life and I've been very stressed and angry and just like not happy I just say I'm okay and then when I get the answer oh just okay I literally say yep I'm just okay 
Because in reality, like one time I mentioned, like I literally said, I, I hate my life because I am overworking myself. I do not feel happy. I feel like I'm in a really bad place and I don't want to be in this place anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm in a better place now compared to when I said that. But is it great right now? Not really, because I'm still overworking myself and I'm recognizing that. And I'm trying to see, like, how, what can I do to feel less like this, less tired and drained and angry and stressed all the time? Like, what can I do? And part of it is probably like putting less expectations of how much I can get done in a day. Part of it is also like saying no to things that I know that I just can't take on right now. finding my boundaries and I feel like I've been doing a better job of it but I still need a lot of work a lot of our views on that we should work super hard started in the 80s with trickle-down economics and the emphasis on GDP growth Mm -hmm. and stocks and basically resources don't go on forever so prices go up and then companies panic when their income decreases so then they end up cutting jobs or hours and then people spend less and when companies actually make profits, they give bonuses to the top and then they keep the little guy working. So everyone's always aspiring to be top dog, but few of us are actually mm-hmm. going to be top dog. We see these stories of like Jeff Bezos, who worked 12 hours a day. 12 hours, for seven, days, seven a days a week. For Did he? Did I mean, how long did, did he do he, that for? Maybe four. Did you do that, Hefe? Five years, <laughs> ten years, and now he's one of the richest people in the world, if not the richest person in the world. So we see those yeah. stories and we get fascinated by them. We're like, if I just work hard, it's going to be worth it in the end. No, because we want to be successful. And I think like for some of us, we want to do well in life. We want to have... And that's not wrong. We want to live comfortably. It's not wrong at all. But there's a limit, you know? Yeah, like, people can only do so much. And we're not all Jeff Bezos. Or is it Bezos? I never know. No. I don't think it matters how wrongly we pronounce his name. He's still going to be really rich. Point. It'll be fine. And he'll never listen to this no. podcast. If he does, I'd be shocked. Be <laughs> like, go listen to something else, dude. <laughs> if the average household income kept up with inflation, the average household income in the U.S. would be around 90000 not around 50000 Companies see people as willing to work longer and are just happy to exploit people. So everyone's good intentions on making more for themselves and their families and yada yada. I mean, yeah, sometimes you work for a good company. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have good luck. But most of the time you're just kind of grinding at the same thing for 20 or 30 years and then you retire if you're lucky. I don't know if we're going to be able to retire. Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know about that right now. <laughs> we work really long and don't get enough for it. I don't know. I've seen, after my experience and seeing it with other people, it's just like, I just don't know if it's worth it sometimes. Because I'm sitting there, I'm like, there's more to life than just working your ass off every day and, like, doing the same damn thing every day. Like, I think that's why I chose being self like, a, a freelancer. Like, I think that's why I chose it. Because I was like, I don't want to do this office nine to five thing for the next 30 years like I don't want to do it yeah I would have been bored yeah I've done it before it's not fun it's honestly and we can talk about that later because there's actually some topics that she brings up that I'm like oh or I guess like is it part of this chapter where she talks about how there's really like eight hours in a a work day but there's only really five hours of actual work Mm -hmm. that needs to be done I think that's this chapter and 
Okay, I get a little confused with the chapter sometimes. Oh, this one was all over the place. <laughs> it was. It was really long. When she mentioned that, it reminded me of when I used to work at a music store. I say it's kind of like my office job because I literally worked from like 8 to 2. But commuting there, because it was on the other side of Denver, I left my house like at 7, sometimes 6.30 if it was snowing really bad. Mm-hmm. And I would get home at 3 and I would hate my life. And then I would continue to try practicing for three hours, teaching, working at LaBelle, all that junk because I was psychotic. <laughs> I just remember when I got the job, I was supposed to like do some marketing. That was my job, being a marketer, promoting things like the music school that they had and the store. And I was like, okay, that's great. But when I noticed that I was showing up eight to two, sometimes I was there till like eight at night because I was working like the school season when they're going to schools and like you know it's the beginning of the year y'all let's play some instruments and see what you can try out on I'd be doing that crap and doing this like on the same days and it sucked because I would be there like 12 hours I'm on the other side of town I never was here in my apartment ever I don't remember anything in this apartment for like the first few months and I just remember sitting at my desk sometimes being like I don't know what the hell I'm supposed to be doing right now. (laughs) Like, I would get done with my work so fast that I would literally be twiddling my thumbs. And I'm like, I don't feel like doing anything. So then it just became part of my routine where, like, I would get some work done. I would literally trail off (laughs) and go on, like, social media and see what everyone else was doing. And then I would continue my work. I thought it was a waste. It wasn't necessarily like a complete waste because I think I did a really good job marketing and doing it with social media and... But you didn't utilize your time like you wanted to or could have been. I genuinely started getting pissed off towards like the last few months because I noticed that this is easily something I can do at home. I do not have to drive here. A drive an hour away during rush hour? Like, no thanks. So I kind of put my foot down. I was like, I feel like I can do this at home. I don't have to be here from eight to two. I can come here once a week and see what's happening at the store. If there's any special events that are happening, let me know and I'll be there. I did not have to sit at a desk and be there for six hours every single day. Yeah. I did not have to be there for six hours every single day doing what I was doing because everything that I was doing, I got finished really quickly. And I just felt like I was literally wasting my time. I was super unhappy. I was super stressed. And finally, when I put my foot down, I kind of got the answer that I wanted. Like, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. But it didn't work out in the end because they weren't willing to pay me what I was worth. So that's a whole other issue. But I just realized like this was not what I wanted to be doing. I was making a good paycheck regardless. Like I was able to catch up on my finances and live comfortably. But at the same time, I literally was running myself to the ground and I felt like being in that office was just a nightmare. Well, Celeste said that when we stretch work days to fill an eight hour chunk instead of just ending when everything is done that's part of the blending of work and non-work activities so people use that time to do other things some people will make doctor's appointments or will order stuff on social media or plan trips look at porn that was so funny i'm gonna read the bottom of page 52 Because that does happen, folks. I was going to say that some people don't have a significant other at home to handle some of these tasks for them. 
And David, you are a lucky man because sometimes I am home during the day and I can make these administrative moves, but not all the time. <laughs> Some people don't. Some people, they blend their personal lives and their professional lives together in this way. Research from Roland Paulson at Lund University showed that employees spend about half of their workday, quote, cyber slacking or engage in non-work activities not related to their primary job responsibilities. More than half of all online purchases are transacted between 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. And almost two-thirds of the traffic at porn sites occurs during the workday. Field jobs legitimately involve the viewing of pornographic videos, so I think it's safe to assume we can include that in, quote, non-work activities. I thought that was so funny. I was also like, ew, who's jerking it at work? That's gross. Somebody is. I'm sure so many people do it. I mean, at least people... Just pop into the bathroom. Hopefully people in the privacy of their offices. Not around anybody else, please. We don't need to see that. We bring our home to work. And we rush leisurely things. In the same sections she says that we speed up podcasts and i was like i feel attacked because like rainer i also listen to podcasts at one and a half speed <laughs> so. no i did it the other day with duolingo when i was learning spanish because there's an audio lesson that you do for duolingo and you can speed up the voices when they're like talking because basically what you're supposed to do is you hear the audio stuff and like you're trying to learn conversation and then you have to kind of speak back after they ask you like oh say this say lo siento say buenos noches and i speed it up sometimes i don't want to hear all the time okay <laughs> like i just want to get to the spanish speaking please this kind of brings us nicely into chapter five which is called work comes home and yes for some of us, it is home because we work at home. True. Yeah. We have a three-bedroom house, and one of those bedrooms is my studio. I have a loft, and the loft is my flute studio. And it is not private. It is in the apartment. <laughs> <laughs> she starts the chapter with saying the push to spend quality time with kids, how it was a big fad in the 90s. But she says that... Basically, parents would make up being at work and working longer days by doing an intense hour of quality time. And that sounds awful. I wonder if my parents did. Even though that fad's not a thing anymore, I think you can still see remnants of that mindset in a lot of today's relationships. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Quality time is my love language. So I feel cheated when time feels made up or like we have an intense day or you know, a small block of time to make up for not having a lot of other time. And I remember I was Mm -hmm. talking about this with my therapist a while ago, and she said something along the lines of, like, quality time isn't like a piggy bank. You can't overload it with one intense thing and expect that to be good for a time with nothing else. It requires consistency. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. We can't Uh approach our relationships at home or with our friends or with whoever, like we do with jobs. We can't just... How can I do this as quickly and efficiently as possible? That has been my problem, especially being after school, like after graduating whatnot, because I think I've just come to the point where I've worked so much that it's like, okay, like spending time with Woody, I have to schedule it and I have to like, I have to add this to my like calendar in some way, spend time with him or spending time with friends. It became unenjoyable. And I didn't want to do it because I was more consumed with, like, I'd rather be working right now. It's like another scheduled activity. 
Exactly. Which I think is fine to an extent, because I know some people schedule date nights, or you make plans in advance. Like, that's fine, and that's not what we're bashing. Well, that's why I have Tuesdays off, because I like Tuesdays off with Woody, because he's a bartender. He doesn't have a normal 9-to-5 schedule like everybody else. His weekends are literally Monday and Tuesday, and... I totally understand. Monday and Tuesdays are not the busiest time to be going to a bar. Very true. I think before I did take took Tuesdays off, I always, like, I don't remember spending any quality time with Woody, except maybe, like, when I had a night off. Because y'all work opposite hours. Yeah. Well, when I was working at LaBelle and we were open till nine, this was before the pandemic, like, I'd be up pretty late and I wouldn't have to get up as early but then I started teaching at schools and it would be like okay I have to get up early to teach and then I work late at LaBelle so I never saw him Mm -hmm. after like lockdown ended and things were getting back into motion I struggled a lot within 2020 2021's year who didn't yeah (laughs) who didn't where I never had a day off and finally I made one and I've decided to do it on Tuesdays because like I wanted to use that day to spend time with Woody. I wanted to spend, if there was something that we could do together on Monday night as a date night, that'd be great. And then we could like have fun, do whatever we want, have Tuesday to spend time together. It's real nice. And after reading this, I have noticed though that I've been spending my Tuesdays not as well with my partner like I should be. And yeah, it just made me think a lot. This book really hit me. I related this a lot to Atomic Habits actually. Yes! I'm glad we're reading this after Atomic Habits, by the way. I've tried to explain it to David because he hasn't read this book and he hasn't read Atomic Habits, but... Did you see that? Are you there? Hello? Hey, you look kind of peppy. I am peppy because I just drank a cup of coffee from La Belle Rosette Espresso and Wine Bar. That's in Denver, right? Yep. We are located right across the street from the University of Denver. And do they have more than just espresso and wine? Yeah, we have breakfast burritos, paninis, pastries, teas. We have a lot. If someone was walking through Denver and let's say this person was me and let's say I wanted a panini, when is LaBelle open so I can go and get one? We are open from 7 to 5 Monday through Friday, 7 to 2 on Saturdays, 8 to 2 on Sundays. And if you use the code FPPODCAST, you'll get 15% off your order, whether you're in store or online at labellerosette.com. That's a really good deal. Totally a good deal, and it's even a better deal when you get to see moi at the store. Is that a good deal? Uh, not really, but I actually need to head to work right now because I'm gonna be late. Oh, so I'm gonna go. Go to Labelle Rosette. Go. Bye. Right now. Drop <laughs> everything. Go. Hey. Awesome. It's always something, isn't it? Technology's great. So what were you going to say? I don't even remember. What, what were, were we saying? talking about? Oh, we were talking about... I forgot. My power flickered here, but it was really weird because David's playing Pokemon on the Switch, which seems to be a theme that I'm saying in this podcast, out in the family room. <laughs> and I walked out there and I was like, does the power flicker out here? And he's like, no. Why? Aren't you recording? And I was like, the internet's out. And he's like, hmm. And he went over to check the modem and he's like, oh, it's flashing. So I just waited hmm. for it to come back online and everything's fine. Whatever, Comcast. <sighs> anyway. For real. 
Like, why am I paying you $140 a month if you can't do anything? That's why I got my own freaking router and they shit me on my internet. (laughs) Come on, Comcast. Really? Come on. (laughs) I think I was talking about Atomic Habits and comparing it to do nothing. Mm -hmm. And I I was saying that I was explaining to David how do nothing is. Brittany, no. (laughs) You froze again. No. Hi. Can you hear me? You froze again. I was like, oh, crap. You're getting right into the same story. It says my internet connection's <laughs> unstable. I don't think your internet connection likes this story because every time you try to start it, it's freezing. <laughs> Just try it again. Try it again. No bad juju here. So mad right now. All I'm just trying to freaking say is that do nothing and atomic habits are kind of flip sides of the same coin. They say Mm -hmm. a lot of the same stuff. They say it in different ways. And I feel like you should read them however you read them. You should read atomic habits first. So you learn how to do the stuff that you want to do and be the person that you want to be. And then you read do nothing so you can learn how to enjoy your leisure time while still being the person you want to be. I don't think we expected this to no. happen the way it happened, but it worked out really well. But I thought about them, and I thought about Atomic Habits compared to the section when we were talking about how we try to make our home life more efficient in the pursuit of just blanket productivity. And I thought of, think about your identity. Think about who you want to be and why you're doing things. Do your actions line up with who you want to be? Do you want mm-hmm. to be someone yeah. who works all the time and doesn't see their family? Do you want to be someone who values your spouse? Do you want to be someone who has days off? Are you casting your votes for the person that you want to be? How he also talks about uh, being preoccupied with doing things quickly and just for the sake of checking something off instead of why are you doing the thing instead of actually bettering ourselves or doing something we want to do. She talks about was it, a coworker or someone that she used to have who had one of those Apple watches or a Fitbit or something and... When it would tell her to take... She might have been talking about a Rose, like, telling her to take steps, and she was like, why are you telling me this? Yeah, and, but there was another person who was wearing one, and she would just sit at her desk and shake it instead of actually walking. Oh, yeah. She's like, why are you wearing this thing for your health if you're not gonna do what you're supposed to do for your health? She talks about apps, because I know that we've been talking about apps with Atomic Habits, And I think because, like, when we have apps, for instance, I think about Duolingo because I'm relearning Spanish again. And How's that going? Oh, it's going really well, actually. It's going muy bien. (laughs) Very good. (laughs) (laughs) That's so cute. (laughs) Um, I'm trying my best. I had a student at one of the schools that just speaks Spanish. Um, I found out, sadly, that she got taken out of band Mm -hmm. because her English is not that good right now and they want her to make sure that she's on track so they pulled her out of band and I'm so angry because I was like I really like this student she was really good and it's fine I'm gonna learn Spanish anyway because I think it's really good to have and no but what they do is they have like a streak thing where it's like if you do it in 10 days like you know you're doing really well if you don't do a day then you're it's gonna continue on and you're gonna fall behind which I hate but I think because for some apps, we have this streak thing going on and it's like, if I don't do it this one day, I got to do it the next and I got to make sure I'm continuous with it. And I have been there a lot with many apps, working out, meditating, doing routines, all of that. And I was really anal about it in 2019, just 
remembering back in the day. And I have been very anal about it since then until, again, the last few months. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think because we have, like, for some of us, if we see that streak thing, we want to make sure that we are, like, I want to make sure that I'm on track. I want to make sure that I'm on top of my game and I'm ahead, you know? I want to keep the streak going. So I get totally get the shaking thing with the Fitbit. It's like, I want to make sure I get my steps in so I can, like, you know, show that I'm healthy. Yeah. I think some people think that way because I think that way sometimes. But, I mean, again, I'm working on it and I have definitely – I don't think that way as much anymore. You know, I have – certain things on my list to do routine wise but if I'm not able to get to one thing I don't think of it as the end of the world anymore I think of it okay let me do it the next day because I do have time for this I don't think having streaks and feeling the need to keep a streak going is necessarily a bad thing it's not a bad thing I think that we pressure ourselves too much well Duolingo does it to encourage people to practice the language workout apps I don't really have any apps that encourage streaks I know my workout app my lifting app, every day that I exercise, it shows a calendar and it puts the days blue that I exercise and I log something in the app. Where it becomes an issue is when you're doing it just for the sake of meeting the streak and you're not mm-hmm. doing it because it's bettering yourself or yeah. practicing doing something that you want to be doing. I've fallen into that trap where I get caught up in the streak thing where it's like not every week is going to play out the same mm-hmm especially how you want it. And I've fallen into the trap where it's like, I'll use the streak thing as something to keep up track with, which is very helpful. But then when I start getting into the habit of things and my plate becomes more overwhelmed compared to maybe the beginning of me starting this streak thing or whatnot, then I start thinking like, I still need to make sure I have my streak going. I need to make sure I get this done and I half-ass it. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't really take anything in. Just say that you did it. Yeah. And then it just becomes stressful mm-hmm. because then it becomes more of a burden. And I sit there and I'm like, okay, this is not convenient for me at all. Why am I doing this? And then I end up not doing it anymore. I'm just going to say Duolingo because this is the most recent thing I've been doing lately. There was like one night that I was just working a lot and I decided to not do Duolingo that day. And even though it was like hitting on to me, like, hey, I'm still here. You learn your Spanish. <laughs> you gotta learn your Spanish. I was like, I know, I know, but it's 10 p.m. and I am tired as fuck, and I have been working my butt off all day. I'm gonna take a rest, and I did Spanish the next day and the day after that. If anybody else has felt this way or kind of thinks the same way, maybe that I do. It's okay <laughs> if you take one day off. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I've been guilty of just doing the streak because I want to put it in there, like check it mm-hmm. off. It's not something that's valuable. Yeah. I think it's not always a good doing thing. Doing something like that. Yeah. If you're half assing something, it's not usually a good thing. Yeah. I mean, basically, in all honesty, we're just letting the man win, man. That's literally what I have in my notes. We bring more work home than we bring home to work. We short the people in our lives who matter. We willingly give more time to our employers. We enable work society to continue by applying productivity to every aspect of our lives. Mm -hmm. Well, I also like how she talks about how we turn things that we love doing into work. One of some of the examples that she talked about was like photography, like how she had a friend that liked to 
take photographs and then it just became something that was like oh this is a task Mm -hmm. and that's something that I've fallen into with photography and social media and like how we turn things that we love I mean we've done that with music we've done it with music literally I mean that's very true it's literally what I put because that's what I did with music (laughs) in caps yeah (laughs) because I mean I think for some of us when we I mean, this could be a possibility when we get into music school for the first time. Some of us don't really know what kind of commitment it takes and how much music you're going to be doing. And so it can be a lot. Mm -hmm. And I think for some people, like for me at least, I still try to find enjoyment in music. And I've been trying to find it a lot more lately, like when the last during COVID and everything like that, because... I found myself just working a lot and I still sometimes like I just focus more on things that I have to get done. Like I have a Nebula concert coming up. I have an audition coming up. So it's easy to go to those things first. It's not easy to just a box sonata that you want to play or sight read a orchestral piece that you really love and you love listening to and playing along with the recording. I mean, it's really simple to do those things like it sounds like, but when you actually put it into practice, when you're going through a long day through the grind and you know like, okay, I have this, 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 and this that I need to practice, you don't practice those other things that you want to do. You're practicing the things that you need to yeah. get done most of the Why time. Why do I want to do anything for fun? Yeah, and it sucks. <laughs> yeah. It's what we did with music. We aren't okay with being idle or the concept of leisure anymore because it appears lazy, even though that's when we actually get time to do things that we want to do and find enjoyment in the things that we like to do, like music, or we have good quality time with people. And I know personally, I struggle a lot with being idle, just finding the enjoyment and not doing anything or just doing something simple or even just reading. Even though I love reading, I feel guilty just sitting there for a while and doing it. Because I'm really high energy, and I'm one of those people who's always like, go, 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 go. And I'm one of those people who says I'm probably never going to retire because I'm going to be bored if I'm not working. In that respect, I think I married the right person because David is, like, always down to just be idle, (laughs) to just not do anything. And he's always down to relax or hang, and sometimes it forces me to take a step back and slow down a little bit. That's the same with Woody. <laughs> I just realized it. Well, yeah, because, like, he always tells me, like, why do you have to work all the time? He is the one that gets me to sit down sometimes. And I'm sitting, because, like, he's a bar owner and he has a lot of things going on. I get it. But for some reason, he's really good at just relaxing. Oh, no, it's the same with all David. He does when he's home. I mean, David works, like, 50 to yeah. 60 hours a week. Maybe he's not always down to, like, necessarily do something with me, but he's always down to just sit on the couch and read while I'm playing the Switch or vice versa, or it's very easy for him to just relax and not do anything, and then result, he usually tries to get me to relax, because not like I'm a high-strung person, I just have a, I physically have a hard time not doing anything, like, just sitting in one place Mm -hmm. and not doing something is very difficult for me to do. I get bored really easily. (laughs) But when I was sitting down and reading yesterday, I already knew that I was going to do this. And I was like, okay, I'm going to spend a good chunk of my day just kind of reflecting, sitting down, and just reading, and that's it. But I noticed I was fidgeting the entire time because I was like, when am I done? Then when can I get to the next thing? And 
I'm sitting there and I'm like, literally, this book is telling you that you overwork and are overdoing the shit. You have a problem. (laughs) It really hit the crevices of my core yesterday when I was reading this. I was like, oh, like, I really love this book. Do you feel personally victimized by Celeste Headley? I feel personally victimized. (laughs) Thank you, Celeste. I appreciate you telling me. I mean, and the thing is, it's like, I've had people tell me this before, too, plenty of times, and... I mean, I think, like, when I finally heard it from somebody that I care about, I was just like, okay, like, I'm going to try to make a change. And I've been trying for the last few months. I think this book is a good, helpful reminder, like, hey, you still need to do this for yourself. Give yourself some time. Give yourself some rest. Stop overworking. Like, listen to what you were told like a few months ago like you want to hop on over to speaking of being busy chapter six the busiest (laughs) gender because we are so busy and we are female guess who the busiest gender is this chapter basically was about females and i also put in parentheses aka the chapter that presents reason 1242 why i don't want kids because Some of the things that she talked about, I was like, yeah, I don't want to work all day and then have to tend to children after this. (laughs) Half of this chapter was about childcare because unfortunately that's more of a female issue than a male issue because society sucks. So before we get into childcare... Just because you carry the child does not mean that you are the sole responsible person of it. There's another person involved and they have the easy job. So before we get into the childcare section, because that's literally the second half of this chapter, let's talk about the first half of this chapter. Because I have a lot to Mm -hmm. say on the childcare stuff and I want to rein it in a little bit before I get a little heated here. Oh no. (laughs) Okay. We got... Damn, I finished my beer. (laughs) But it's okay. I'm amped. I know I'm going to have to get a second one for Patreon. I know. Hop on over to patreon.com slash fiddle and pipe to hear our updates <laughs> on world events. Slurred words. <laughs> slurred, <laughs> slurred words. words. <laughs> <laughs> what? What did you say? Anyway, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Okay. Um. She starts with the whole section about the myth on multitasking and how everyone's like, I am such a good multitasker. I can do seven things at mm. once. And how really no one can multitask because according to the research she states you really can't do two things at once you literally just very quickly switch between the two or more tasks that you have going on the myth about multitasking is kind of twofold so the myth is that multitasking is a false thing and the other side of the myth is that women are better at it studies have shown that premenopausal women Sorry, I guess if you're over the age of 40 or more, potentially, depending on when you hit menopause. Yeah, we'll encounter it in 10 years. We'll talk about it soon on our Patreon. <laughs> Check us out on our Patreon. Patreon.com slash five there. We will have menopause hour. <laughs> we will. In 10 years from now. Check back in 10 years. <laughs> I'm scared. I'm terrified. My culture's like, I'm having hot flashes. I'm not ready. I don't want that. I don't feel like it. Can we just like tone it down, hormones? That's so, that's so funny. Okay. So premenopausal of women have shown in studies to be better at multitasking simple activities compared to men and older women. And I don't mean simple, like premenopausal women are dumb. I mean Literally, they had them walking on a treadmill, right? And they showed a word 
and it was a certain color and they had to say what color the word was. I think was the study. Mm. So literally a simple task. You know, it's not like like two non-simple tasks such as recording a podcast and cooking. Holding a baby and cooking and speaking Spanish while you're trying to connect with your Duolingo app on your phone. Yeah. And- simple tasks that don't require too much brain power. For example, like listening to a podcast and cooking. Those are two things that you can do at the same time. Maybe caring for your child, since I guess we're going to keep veering towards children. And I guess. cooking. Maybe not two things that you can do successfully at the same time. No. The thing that I thought was really interesting was that she says that research shows that people who think that they're great at multitasking are less organized, worse at filtering information from irrelevant things, and actually damage their gray matter in their brains over time and impair their cognitive processes over time. And this is a study that comes out of Stanford, I believe. So I think it's pretty legit. Can I just hop in for a second and talk about this really quick? You have the whole first half of the podcast. This is my section now. Fight me. Oh, no. I'm kidding, yes. (laughs) So when I worked that one music store job, I remember when I was working there, there was a moment I was completely fucking over it. Mm -hmm. And I just remember I was in the middle of trying to get some marketing things done because during the holiday season, obviously, like, there are sales happening. Stores want things to be sold. They have specials, all that stuff. So I was in the process of doing that crap. I was told, like, you need to get this done, this done, this done, this done for all these sales that we have and all these events that we have. And I was like, okay, I'll get started on that. So I started doing that stuff for this office music store job. Then what happened is then I was given another task, literally, to organize a tub of miscellaneous paper materials. I'm not going to say files because I found so much garbage in this freaking container it was huge and I was told that I had to find everything from 2016 because they were getting audited okay um that's not my job one that was not my job two why am I being given this I'm in the middle of trying to do things to actually help the business not do something that is not my job. So then when I came up to the boss and talked to him about it, he explained to me, you need to learn how to multitask. That was literally his words. And I'm going to say his, not they, not them, his, because I want to show that he was rude. He was a condescending man. He was condescending. I'm just going to say it. And it makes me sound really bitter. I am bitter. (laughs) Anyway. No apologies here. (laughs) I won't fight. I am bitter. But I just remember if you like us one beer in, in my hop head. on over the Patreon where you can hear us have two beers. <laughs> we are just advocating Patreon today. Okay. I mean, someone has to. But that thought and that mindset got stuck in my head since then. Mm-hmm. And I had been thinking about that forever. And unfortunately, what has happened in the process of that is I have actually been like, well, you know, this person told me I had to multitask. They were my boss. They didn't want to continue business with me after I finally like put my foot down. So I did something wrong and I need to learn how to multitask to be successful. And I did that. And I went through that freaking mindset for years. And I thought that. And then, okay, what she was talking about, how we tend to be more unproductive, how we tend to be, you know, it doesn't help. I noticed that last year and I was 
angry. And I was like, I'm working my ass off. Why am I not getting things done the way that I want them to? You're essentially forcing your brain to do something that it's not designed to do. It really hit me mentally. Like, for sure. I couldn't think. Nowadays, I try to take one thing at a time. Me too. But I, it takes time for me to really, like, do things now. Because someone texts me, I have to, like, really think now. Like, okay, what do I want to say? How should I type this out? And I'll be in mid-type and I'll be like, no. And then I'll, like, try again. I can't even, like, think of, like, a functioning sentence that should take, like, less than five seconds to type mm-hmm. sometimes. Like, that's how bad it has come. And I don't know. I like how she states that, like, it's not productive. <laughs> I mean, I think in some ways there are ways, like, listening to a podcast and cooking. I do that all the freaking time. Mm-hmm. I enjoy that time. But, yeah, I've learned that I had to cut down things to really just – understand them better and not feel strained and confused there's nothing wrong with that i mean i listen to podcasts while i grocery shop because grocery shopping is pretty mindless i'm not like i'm talking to the people around me anyway but i know i've said a few times that david and i one of us will read to the other while the other one is cooking i have a really hard time when i'm cooking and trying to read a recipe and listen to him read to me i can't read and absorb what I'm listening to. If it's a podcast, I feel like I can kind of tune it out and then tune back in and I haven't missed anything. But if it's a book, if I tune out for 30 seconds to read a recipe and I tune back in, I'm like, wait, what just happened? Someone died? Yep, I've been there. <laughs> I'm about that with conversations, actually. I have people that might talk to me and I'll be reading something in the middle of that and then I'll be like, what did you I'm say? I'm the exact same way. And unfortunately, like, for some people, it pisses them off and I feel bad. I'm like, I'm really sorry. I had to read this, like, I mean, should I be reading it? I don't know. Sometimes I should. Sometimes I shouldn't Mm -hmm. be. But, I mean, I'm the same exact way. If someone is coming up to me and talking to me and I'm – or if I'm sitting down doing lessons and teaching, if some student is talking to me and I'm writing something that I need to write for them to kind of, like, look at and take note of while they're practicing over the week, I won't hear what they're saying. And then I'll look and be like, I'm sorry, what did you say? Like, I was in the middle of this. And I feel bad, but I just – I can't. I can't. I can't listen and write because like what will happen is if I start hearing and being attentive and hearing them, I will write what they're saying to me <laughs> in the notebook <laughs> and then I'll look at it and be like, what the hell was I trying to say? Um, okay, that was not the idea. <laughs> I totally understand that. This whole like chapter basically told me like, I don't want to be working all day long and then have to attend to kids and entertain them and take care so of them and make I sure guess we're going that they're to get living. To the childcare stuff. So she says women are more likely to put more on their plate because of societal expectations and the desire to prove themselves in the yeah. workplace. And women are also fair, fair, statistically less likely to take breaks than men. It's true. It's most likely I see true it with David like, and me. David has no problem relaxing, and I'm like, I gotta do this thing, I gotta do this thing. And David's not, like, a lazy piece of shit person. Why don't we have them on right now? Women, I guess we're gonna have the birds and the bees conversation. So, like, you got that sperm, and then you grow the baby. Uh And then you push the baby out. 
And then you're expected to drop everything for the baby. As someone who wants kids at some point, this stresses me out because I'm freelance. I don't have maternity leave. No, you don't. That's the thing that hits me because I'm like, I don't have maternity leave. I'm already stressed out enough. Why do I want a kid? Because I have to take care of another human being after this? Like, I don't know if I can do it right now. No thanks. I'm good. I have a cat. She's great. Women are expected to do more with child care and child raising. And it's just unfortunately part of our societal expectations. And men tend to do things that are more fun while women tend to do more administrative stuff. Men will bring them to their soccer games or go play in the yard or show them how to fix their bike. And women are like, I got to make these doctor's appointments. I have to make their lunch. I have to do the grocery shopping. To be fair, like... That is kind of like what we are all accustomed to. I was accustomed to it more towards the early part of my childhood. It was kind of split up. I remember my mom was more there for the first half and then my dad was for the last half. Mm -hmm. But I do remember, I mean, not saying that my mom never did anything the last half of my childhood. She did do a lot. But I looked back a lot when I was reading this book about the roles of my parents because that's the easiest thing I could think of of okay like how was it when I was growing up and I mean in a summary I think they both like equal parts like my entire childhood did equal amount of stuff because my dad was at home versus my mom my mom was working all the time but when my dad was working full-time earlier in my childhood my mom was more around doing that like you know Mm -hmm. going to work picking me and my brother up, coming home. Also, driving through Atlanta traffic. I went to school down like in Marietta off the lower Roswell exit, Stelk Road exits, all that area. So compared to like my house and the traffic, never changed. (laughs) Essentially it got worse. Yeah, and it was pretty bad back in the day. I remember it took an hour for me to get home at least every day. That sounds right. And... Yeah, to Woodstock, not a fun time. I mean, my mom, though, she was, like, not helicopter mom, but, like, she was mom. Like, she drove us to school every day, got us ready. She took us to school, did her job. Her job was not easy. She worked at radio stations all day. Mm -hmm. And then she would pick us up, deal with our asses in the car. Probably why she, like, gave us all these snacks. She was like, just eat the snacks. (laughs) Just eat the snacks. (laughs) And... Then she would make dinner. Looking back in my childhood for most days, like, that's what she did every day. I totally understand, like, that does not sound fun. That does not sound great. Not leisurely at all. Like, I can understand why she would watch TV and have a glass of wine at night. Like, I totally understand. It's really different because my family life was a little bit different. My, throughout most of my life, my parents kind of worked opposite schedules. So there was usually at least Mm. one parent home with us, but not necessarily both. My dad would usually get us up in the mornings and get us ready for school. And my mom either packed lunches the night before, the morning of. And then my parents would bring us to things depending on who was available. And I remember both parents cooking. My mom did more of the cooking just because she's a better cook. But my dad had no problem running errands. My dad cleaned just as much, if not more, than my mom did. You say that your parents have opposite schedules and like... So my mom usually worked nights. Usually she was with us during the day. So I would see more of her in the evenings. And then my 
dad would come home from work and they'd hang out for a few hours and then my mom would usually go to work. Gotcha. Yeah, because that's kind of how my childhood was. Like, my dad has, like, flip-flopped through jobs my entire life. Part of it is because he wanted to, like, be there and, you know, for me and my brother, and I totally understand that. He's done a lot of sacrificing for that, which I feel like is fair. There were some moments, though, where, like, he worked at night and he would drive to Alpharetta every day Mm -hmm. or every night, every day. But he would be sleeping during the day and I would see him. But then I think, like, finally once he stopped working at that job and towards, I want to say, like, puberty, middle school, Mm -hmm. high school that age that was when he stayed home a little bit more like he had odd jobs and stuff but he was home a lot and I think it was a weird shift for him because he ended up doing a lot of housework that my mom was doing but my mom was still working her normal job that she had and so I think like with him finally picking up like okay I'm doing the laundry now I'm cooking I'm doing this like I think it was an adjustment I remember it being an adjustment and it was an adjustment for me and But it did show me that, like... Like, societal, social, like, gender norms aren't a thing. It's not 1953 anymore, you guys. Like, men and women are capable of being partners together and working together. And that I think that's, like, the one thing that kind of freaks me out of, like, I'm afraid. I'm not thinking about what what he's thinking because I haven't asked him. But, like, for me, my initial fear is I'm going to be working all day doing my flute things, my teaching things, and then I have to attend to a a human. I don't want to do it. I don't do leisurely activities until, like, 10 o'clock at night, you guys, and that's when I'm in sleep in bed. Or 9 o'clock at night, if if I'm lucky. Mm -hmm. I think we are all capable of doing the same. It's promising because even the research does show that women do more chores than men and men watch TV or do more endurable activities more than women, millennials and Gen Z men do roughly twice as much work at home compared to men in previous generations. Mm -hmm. But they still tend to not do as much as their partners. Oh, no, I've heckled Woody before. I mean, like, you don't do it off! Like, I have definitely been there, and I, I get on his ass about it sometimes. He's like, I do work. And I mean, he does. He is very helpful. Like, he has been at least more helpful within the last year, um, which is very helpful for me. But I've definitely had to heckle him. I like a clean house, okay? I mean, it's kind of the same here. Like I said earlier, David's not lazy, but I definitely do more of the house care kind of stuff than he does. I feel like some of that societal, some of it is because, you know, sometimes I am home more than he is yeah um but sometimes i'm not and sometimes i'm still doing just as much yeah i mean i'm glad it's getting better but kind of the biggest takeaway i got from this was women y'all need to just relax more mm-hmm. we have a hard lot in life anyway we work harder we statistically don't earn as much. We have pressures on society to earn more and to do more. Especially now with freaking Instagram. You see all these images like super mom, just got home from the gym, made homemade cupcakes for my son's birthday. It's like, congrats, I guess. But the other takeaway I got from this chapter was if you are a man, 
in a heterosexual relationship, I would ask you to kind of look at the dynamic in your house. And if you notice that your spouse is doing more in terms of house care and child raising, be you should step it up a little bit. Yeah. It's really not that hard to ask. Like, it's really not that hard. You live there too. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I... See, I'm telling you, this book is hitting me in the crevices. Like, I'm really, like, feeling all the feelings with this book. <laughs> I'm happy we're reading it, though. I'm very happy we're reading this. Like, I mean, when I was reading this last night, I was sitting there and I was just like, like, this book really is telling me that I need to change something. And I need to be better. Mm-hmm. And if y'all want to be better, you can follow us on social media. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You'll definitely be better if you follow us on social media. We got a lot of stuff on there. Follow us at Phil and Pipe on Instagram or at Phil and Pipe Forum on Facebook. It's a free open group. But if you want to follow our personal pages on Instagram, I am at Cat Flinch Flute. And I might be in Ross Music. If you feel like you like Do Nothing and you want to do something about it, then definitely do something and rate us on Apple Podcast or Spotify. Give us a rating on Apple. We would highly appreciate it. We love to know what you guys think about it, our podcast and what we could do better on and what you guys would like to hear. So please let us know. Thanks. Yeah. And if you also want to do something, consider grabbing a drink and hopping over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash fiddleandpipe for $5 a month. You can listen to our happy hour podcast and as low as $2 a month, you can listen to bloopers and outtakes from all of our episodes and we will give you a shout out regardless of which tier you donate to. And mm-hmm. we have a new tier announcement coming up soon in the near future. So keep your ears peeled for something. And on that note, we're going to end this episode. We're going to come back next week with chapter seven through nine. So if you guys are reading along with us, Those are the chapters that you guys should be reading. And you guys should hop over to Phil and Pipe Happy Hour right now. Because that's where we're going to be. Deuces. Peace. That was long. Bye.